Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm Ant, and I'm here with my two friends, Will and Anna. Hello. Hello. This week, we are talking about the year 177. (laughs) And as is our custom, and what is decreed to us by law by the RNG, we must (laughs) give three-word preview of what we're going to discuss. Uh, Will. Honestus Imperator Romanus. <laughs> Didn't say those three words had to be English, so yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, I assume we won't get a translation of that. No. Okay, good. Uh, my three words are, if anyone can. <laughs> <laughs> who can who? <laughs> You'll find out. Your I mean, inf- Emperor Questus Romanus. <laughs> Your inflection left me unsatisfied. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a there's an ellipsis at the end. Oh. So, mm. Well, mine is, uh-oh, proto-Mongol shenanigans. Oh, you finally embraced the hyphen. I have. There are two hyphens. I love that. Yeah. There's two hyphens and a comma. And a comma. Ugh. Uh-oh, proto-Mongol shenanigans. That is a that is a master of the of the genre. I'll probably be punished for it nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Should we should we do it then? <laughs> let's Okay, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> So today, for my part, we are going to be taken back in time to what is now modern-day China. And at this time, there is a large dynasty in charge called the Han Dynasty. And they had huge swathes of land under their control. And they had managed to suppress the sort of uh, other factions and tribes around there. Famously, they had managed to suppress the five barbarian clans, or the five who? Um, Namely... (laughs) (laughs) The five who? The five who, yeah. <laughs> so namely the Xiong, 
U, the G, the Yanbei, the Qian, and the Di. Uh, there's more than likely more than five. Historians just say the five barbarians, the five who, just a, as a collective term. Uh, there is a mixture of settled and nomadic, some from the sort of Turkic regions, Tibetan, Yanisian, and other areas like that. Uh, but we're going to focus mainly on the Yanbei because they're the coolest, okay. I think. Because um, they had like holes in their jeans, backwards baseball <laughs> they caps. They did. They wore a lot of leather jackets okay, and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and they're from the northern steppes um, and they were a sort of a proto-Mongol nomadic peoples. So uh, traders, uh, herdsmen, etc., etc., mm-hmm. uh, but quite nomadic. So after the first century, the north, which at the time was largely uh, Xiongnu, X-I-O-N-G-N-U, was brought under control by the Han Dynasty and became effectively a suppressed vassal state. Uh, and they increased their trade mightily in interdependence. So they traded horses, silk, etc. Um, and then the northern tribes there would act as sort of a northern protectorate for the Han Dynasty. Uh, this caused a tightening of bonds. And what it meant was the steppes were actually slowly degraded and abandoned as people moved closer to the border of the Han Dynasty. And there's still, you know, some pockets of revolt and tumult. In the early hundreds, there was a massive campaign by the Han Dynasty into the north to sort of quell all the sort of tribes and stuff uh, there. And uh, they barely avoided complete annihilation. So the power vacuum was in full effect on the mm. steppes. And these were then filled by the proto-Mongolians themselves, uh, which include the Yanbei, uh, X-I-A-N-B-E-I, by the way. And and another tribe that I love the sound of, um, which we're not going to talk about, but they're called the Dingling. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like childish to laugh at that, but that's very funny. Yeah, to yeah. Me. The Dinglings don't feature t- too much further, really, because the oh. Yanbei really sort of crushed it. Um, while they were nominally aligned to the Han Dynasty, they also conspired on large-scale raids in the north as well. So they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll do trades and stuff with you. But behind their back, they would still, you know, go across the border. And the Han were a bit frayed at this stage and, you know, their power was waning a little bit. And instead of launching a large campaign again, um, they'd try economic or political means to fracture the groups of tribes so they wouldn't, like, work with each other. Uh, and they'd start spreading rumours about each other, etc. But it didn't really work um, and this was at the time when the Han were being internally eroded uh, by a lot of political infighting and intrigue. Um, this was caused by lots of wealth being centralised into powerful families. And uh, this eroded the sort of state's power because these in, semi-independent autonomous governor, governors would have their own armies that could challenge the Han dynasty. So they had to be politically savvy. They didn't, no longer had the, the monopoly on violence that the, that the, 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 the state used to have. The concept of of raising one's own army mm. is so funny to me. It's just like, <laughs> you know what? Today I think I think I should have an army. Yeah, well I'm 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 currently raising a um, Oh, are you? Yeah, I've put yeah. out a few LinkedIn posts. Okay. <laughs> okay. What positions are you recruiting uh, for? I think all of them oh. at this stage. <laughs> uh, except for sorry, Grand General is obviously me. It is taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Taken. I have some archery experience. <laughs> You're hard. I'll, okay. I, you, I don't you even be, have to apply. You can be you can be chief archer. Oh, that's amazing. Which I fear is gonna do not much against NATO's tanks. <laughs> It's a hundred percent commission, isn't it? Based on plunder, <laughs> it is. Yeah, you get all the plunder you can get. You can have. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this decentralization of power through the large families amassing all these areas of land and and, and growth, it, you know, they're de facto rulers in their own right, and this would then go on to continue to erode the Han Dynasty, and that would eventually lead in about the two hundreds or so, the uh, what was called the Three Kingdoms era of Chinese history, when there's a great fra- fracturing and schisming. You know, we had all the dynasties, and there was a schisming was happening of power. Mm. Um, 
So this basically conspired into the perfect opportunity known as the Yanbei Confederacy of Tan Shi Wai. Oh. So, who is Tan Shi Wai? He was a low-born, illegitimate son of a low-ranking officer of the Yanbei, uh, born to a sort of mercenary family. Um, but he, was, he managed to unify, through his time, uh, the various Yanbei tribes under his rule against the Han court. So he was actually able to get them all together at the same time place and time and actually unite the clans, unite the clans. exactly um and he's also able to do this with other chieftains from other tribes answering to him and this confederacy became a de facto self-sustaining government you know they shared trade profits they had military duties they had a coherent unified political stance that was like you know against the hand mm-hmm. did he use some sort of horn to unite them absolutely yeah it was, okay. it was kind of a horn-based <laughs> sort of language that because they there's got to yeah. be something right you can't just be like oh hey go uh tell tom that we're uniting that you know i want Wait, something majestic on the steps is that how you think politics works that yeah. you know like in the eu or whatever they just stand up and someone's got a horn and they blow it and then suddenly if someone tries to convince you me, can't sell bananas <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it works in this country right remember when the when the guy tried to take the golden scepter out of parliament oh, and yeah, everybody the lost their minds okay i take it back it's not, <laughs> like, it's not, come so ridiculous. On. Yeah, it's not that ridiculous i'd be far more likely to support someone based on them blowing a brass instrument than <laughs> because of their ideas. Yeah. No, I think I think this would be like an actual horn of an yeah, animal. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's yeah. not like a trombone solo. If it's not going to be like a conch shell, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want it to be an actual animal <laughs> horn. So he also blew this horn at the southern Yongnu, you. <laughs> who were the ones in the north that were previously uh, sort of uh, nearly annihilated. And he got them into an alliance uh, and he got aid from others as well, contributing towards this sort of push and assault against the Han. Uh, the Han were not best pleased. And so they decided to, to launch yet another huge campaign in 177, so the year in question. Oh, and this nice. consisted of 30,000 Han cavalry, Wow, uh, give or take. Does that count the horses? <laughs> that doesn't count the horses. Um, so, you know, 60,000. You know, if there's a cavalry, you expect they'd at least have one horse yeah, each, maybe one, yeah. two. Yeah. Um, Sorry, are you suggesting that we should, when counting cavalry, we should count both the human and the horse separately? <laughs> yeah. And in fact, maybe we should count by legs. Oh, yeah. So each so cavalry unit is six <laughs> There's legs. six times the figure there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. 120 so legs at this battle. 120 legs. 120,000 legs. legs of cavalry. <laughs> so they did the greatest uh, tactical maneuver of all time where instead of actually charging with 30,000 against one people and taking them out, they split it up into three armies <laughs> and went three different directions. Great. And uh, yeah, they advanced on different axes into the north to different sort of large tribe, tribal masses of, of, the, of the northern Yanbei, and the largest federations. Um, it, it, it didn't go well yeah. uh, for the Han. Uh, this it, is what they say, isn't it? It's like yeah. when you're trying to conquer people, always water down your forces yeah, as that's much as possible. <laughs> that's what it means, divide and conquer. Yeah. Divide your troops. Divide your own troops. <laughs> conquer. Conquer and, nothing. And you will be conquered. You will be conquered. Yeah. <laughs> so the Han lost 80, 80% of their advancing troops uh so that's about twenty-four thousand men and six times the number of uh, of, of, legs. of legs or f- possibly some horses lost just one leg or well, some men lost some, one yeah exactly leg. there could be people yeah. on there with no legs so we so who we don't actually we know don't how actually many know legs. this is twenty-four thousand men so maybe all the horses are fine okay you know i, I know. would love that personally um yeah. and and the few officers that did remain they only came back with like a couple of tens of troops because the rest could have just fled into the ether <laughs> And they were immediately lost their position and rank and stuff. They but, really whiffed it. Yeah, they completely whiffed it, really. And and this this was really one of the big death knells for the Han dynasty. Uh, and this really then spun into the slow decline where their borders were pushed south and east by this migrating tribes in the steppes. 
and and this would eventually then go on to contribute to the dawning of the three kingdoms and eventually mm. the rise mm-hmm. of the Mongols as well after this with of course our, our best friend your boy my boy yeah Gengi Khan <laughs> Gengi <laughs> Chinggis Chinggis Khan yeah um, and yeah that's the story of the Han Dynasty I'm talking about China as well and um talking a little bit more about the three kingdoms period which we've uh, covered before a couple weeks ago when we talked about lady true she of the remarkable body proportions <laughs> that was in our 244 episode if you haven't listened to it go go get a shot so um my three words were if anyone can and i'd like to complete the sentence now if anyone can Wang Can. <laughs> that's right. I'm talking about a man named Wang Can. Oh, right. Not that Wang was able to. <laughs> no, just, his name is Wang, Wang Can. Can. And I want to absolve myself from any pronunciation uh, snobbery. I did ask two friends who speak Mandarin how to read his name. And yeah, so Wang is more like Wang. But neither of them had ever seen the character for Can, his other oh. name. They, they both were like, oh, this is, I don't know what this is. So I'm going to choose to say Wang Can, and I think that's fine. <laughs> it's also funnier. It's also funnier. <laughs> um, and I'm sure everyone's thinking it, so I just want to get this right out of the way up front. I'm not talking about Wang Can, the present day social media influencer who gained infamy, I would say, for a stunt where he ate a live wasp <laughs> wow. with predictable consequences. Whoa. Yeah, he did it on uh, whatever the Chinese equivalent of TikTok yeah. is. TikTok. And is it TikTok? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, and then his he, he ate it live on air. It stung the crap out of him. His whole face swelled up. And then he had to post this big apology video for what he did and just like all Apo- right man. To, what, apologizing to the wasps yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly very pro wasp that is pretty a grim way to, to, to yeah. gain popularity but yeah. i'm willing to do it if it helps the podcast <laughs> yeah well i'll eat I've, whatever you want i've got a wasp you have you me. have a wasp yeah. i'm willing to eat it no we should record it i can't just like i can't just like mime eating a wasp on air <laughs> it's also hugely dangerous like, the guild of wasp influencers are highly litigious <laughs> and will yeah. come after you the gwi absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, it's they're terrifying you get them everywhere <laughs> So anyway, I'm not talking about him, just to be clear. So they can't come after us. Uh, no, instead, I'm talking about uh, Wang Can, the man from the second century. Um, so as Ant mentioned, the Han is collapsing. It's collapsing in China proper into these three kingdoms. And one of the, those three kingdoms is called Cao Wei. And that's what I'll be focusing on today. So Wang Can was born in 177, (laughs) which I don't normally do, the borns, but I did it today, uh, into a family of high-ranking civil servants. As he's growing up, it becomes clear that he's a very special boy. He had (laughs) an eidetic memory, for starters. There's this great story about one time he was passing by and two people were playing Go and somebody knocked the board and all the tiles yep. fell off, and he was able to put the tiles back in the exact position that they'd been in before the board got knocked over. There were three tiles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. still, it's impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Um, 
And it was said that if he was traveling and passed a roadside monument, he would remember every word of the inscription with just a glance, which is hmm. just such a valuable skill. At the pub quiz I go to now, there's a round called uh, Service Station or Cheese. <laughs> and he would have been very good at that. Uh, For our foreign listeners, most of our service stations, i.e. gas stations on the motorways, oh yeah. um, are all named after cheeses. <laughs> So it's actually an impossible Tradition. round to yeah, it's do. Both. Uh, yeah, anyway, so that's cool. We love a big brain. Another great story is that when he was a teenager, he met a prominent scholar and calligrapher who immediately just recognized his talent and proclaimed, he is a young man with the highest gifts, which I cannot match. I shall grant him all the books and essays in my home. That um, sounds like a punishment. <laughs> Books is one thing, but essays. Thank you for all those essays, Grandma. I love (laughs) this. Thanks for letting me read all your treatises. Um, But in fact, this guy, this calligrapher, was one time so excited to greet Wang Can that in his haste to open the door, he put his shoes on the wrong feet. Which is just like, everybody's obsessed with this man. (laughs) Like... What you guys aren't even wearing in... shoes. Do you even respect me at all? No, that's <laughs> a bizarre thing to note in history. The yeah. one of the few things that we know is that some guy put his shoes on the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. They're also perturbed. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody's just in a tizzy because this guy's really going places. Um, the scholar, the prominent wrong-footed, wrong-shoed scholar recommends him for the civil service, but Wang Can turns it down. Instead, he wants to go work for this provincial governor, who then turns him down because he looked, quote, pallid and sickly. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is the reason I've never had a job in my <laughs> life. Uh, but ultimately, he gets a job in government working for a man named Cao Cao, who is in charge of Cao Wei. Uh, this is C-A-O, um, which I mentioned earlier is one of the three kingdoms. Do you think... There's some future civilization that will listen to this podcast and decide that wasn't worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is the current civilization. (laughs) But do you think there's some future civilization who will listen to all the words that we say in our language right now? And they'll just also coincidentally be really funny (laughs) in the same way that there's like a perfect resonance between them and our. Totally. They'll see your name and they'll be like, while? (laughs) How silly. Um, so Cao Cao and Wang Can are having a great time establishing the administration. Mm. Wang Can is in charge of coming up with a brand new system of laws, which is just a cool task. Ask Stoats. <laughs> ask Stoats? Yes, yeah, ask like... Stoats what to do. The Stoats will decide on the laws. It was <laughs> that, a very... is the, that is the new system <laughs> okay. for the laws. It was a not so popular sort of British clone of Ask Jeeves that didn't really take off. <laughs> yeah, um, Ask Stoats. Really, really popular in Dorset. Mm. Really popular <laughs> in two thousand three, two thousand five. A lot of Stoats just squirring, squirring around the place, <laughs> trying to find your information. Uh, let me check my notes. Um, no, he went with Ask Voles. Oh, the Voles? Yeah. yeah that makes sense. They are wiser and They're easy to find. definitely wiser. Uh, he also, you know, consults his own brain, I guess. <laughs> Boo. Uh, he accompanies Cao Cao on various military campaigns, including one against Sun Quan, who was the bad guy in the Lady True story. Oh. And he also becomes a very famous poet, one of the seven scholars of Jianan, which was the A-list poetry group of the day, as I'm sure you mm-hmm. all know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and apparently the all the civil strife in China. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. At this time, gives the group uh, their quote, characteristic, solemn, yet heart-stirring tone while lamenting over the ephemerality of life. Wow. That sounds like my high school journal. <laughs> I was like, if, if you had a live journal, which I assume uh, you did. Of course I had a live journal. I, I assume it's just full of uh, Poems lamenting about, about the ephemerality oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, life. For sure. God, I want to find that so bad. <laughs> it was pretty deep and heavy. I don't know if you're ready for it. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I'll recite some of my poetry. Okay, good. We'll put that on the Patreon for members <laughs> yeah, for who sure. don't want to support the podcast <laughs> anymore. Um, would you like me to read from... One of Wang Kang's poems. Oh, phew. Oh, phew. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, we want it. Well, yes, this please. poem is called "Poem of the Seven Sorrows." Okay. So oh it's, my gosh. it's great material for a How many sorrows seven podcast. Sorrows. Ripped me off. <laughs> seven sorrows. All right, and this is just an excerpt from it. On the road, a starving woman who hugs her child then abandons him in the weeds. She turns to hear his screams and howls, then wipes her tears and goes on alone, saying, "I hardly know where I shall die." Right. Okay. Let's just <laughs> let's just break this one down. Why why is she leaving her child in the reeds? I think because she doesn't have she can't feed herself, so she certainly can't right. feed him. So rather than just like hold him and die together, the, she, the reed people. Yeah, maybe somebody will pick him up. Mm. But she could come up with a better plan. That's just oh, she's got a lot of problems. Planning I mean, is but one of them. I don't know where I'm going to die. That's true. You know what I mean? It is. This poem is about you. Unless unless you're planning something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how I'll behave at your funeral, because I would like to tell one final story about Wang Can. Yes. Yes. When he died in 217, uh, the heir to the throne of Cao Wei told the guests at his funeral... When he was still living, Wang Can loved the sounds of a donkey braying. So let's each make a braying sound as a farewell to him. And they did. That's got to be a joke. That's got to be a joke. Right. I mean, because like of all the sounds in the animal kingdom, a donkey braying is objectively one of the Terrible. bad ones. It is bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would love it if people made a sound of a horse whinnying majestically at my funeral. No, you would. Maybe horses... What? Maybe they braid differently back then. Oh, uh, back in the days of the beautiful donkey braid? Like, are we talking exactly. like a proper like hee-haw Yeah. Thing? Well, that's yeah. how they braid now. That's how they yeah, braid yeah, now. Yeah, maybe they did. In, maybe in, in, in English. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know yeah, whether... True. Ancient Mandarin, we're not sure. That's actually. true. Yeah. Mandarin, it could maybe, have sounded like, like an aria. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like a harp being gently <laughs> strung. I stand corrected then. Yeah, You're fair. probably right. Um, but... Anyway, that is the story of Wang Can and uh, all of his wonders. And now oh, you know. Now I know why you invited me on that trip to the reed beds. <laughs> You're planning to murder me there. Listen, I What's don't know where you? I will die, but I do know where you will die. <laughs> oh, God. She's not going to murder you. She's just going to hug you and place you down. 
And then leave you. <laughs> and, then, and then leave you to the sounds of me braying like a donkey as I you walk away. You know I'm incapable of fending for myself. <laughs> Hack Septimana Loqui de Omnibus Principi, Philosopho Gratissimo, Marcus Aurelius Romanorum Imperator. Today I'm talking about the first philosopher emperor, Marcus Aurelius. No, that's not okay. what I said. To I'm get afraid. some of I, them right? I, I don't know if you noticed actually, but I was, um, I was actually speaking Latin there. <laughs> for... <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell the difference. It sounded like a donkey braying yeah. to me. <laughs> Um, but oh, yeah, I'm sorry that was that was Latin. So this week I'm going to talk about everyone's favourite philosopher emperor. Okay. Uh huh. The Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. The guy from Gladiator. The guy. That's from right. Gladiator. The guy from Gladiator. Yay! The good. The good guy from Gladiator, not Joaquin Phoenix. Spoiler. Well, we're going to come to all of this. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, but yes, the good guy from Gladiator okay. with the bad succession planning. <laughs> Uh, and Marcus Aurelius was born in 121 and ruled as emperor from 161 from the age of about 40 until he died in 180 when he was about 59. And he was the last of the rulers who became known as the five good emperors, oh. which was a, a term coined by Niccolo Machiavelli <sighs> some 13 centuries later. Yeah, I was going to say a long Uncle time after. much <laughs> later. So for a long time, he, he wasn't known as that at all. He sure. was just... Marcus Aurelius. Uh, and when talking about those five emperors, Machiavelli said, Titus, Nerva, Trajan, Hadrian, Antoninus, and Marcus. Those are the names of the five emperors, by that the way. That sounded like six. <clears throat> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Machiavelli can't count. Nor, yeah. uh, uh, he had I. a lot of strengths. Counting was yeah, not one of them. He did. Makes me question other, other things he said. Your whole worldview, actually. To continue the quotation, those people, all five of them, <laughs> had no need of Praetorian cohorts or of countless legions to guard them, but were defended by their own good lives, the goodwill of their subjects, and the attachment of the Senate. End quotation. So they were just jolly good people, is the point. And they didn't need bodyguards and all the rest. So I'm going to dig into uh, a bit about why he was such an apparently bonum ovum. Which is Latin for good, good egg, egg, which is an English idiom for a good person. <laughs> a bono ovum, which was Jesus, which is Bono's full name. <laughs> <laughs> so he was born during the reign of Hadrian, who was the emperor who had the fondness for walls and the anti-fondness for Scots. Yep. And Marcus Aurelius, <laughs> who was uh, was quite fortunate when he was growing up because he, when he was born, no one would have thought that he was going to be emperor. So he was born to the emperor's nephew mm. and to a wealthy heiress called Domitia Cavilla. And uh, when he was born, uh, he was just this fairly obscure minor royal. So, yeah. he, but, but then his father died sadly when he was three and so he was raised by his mother and grandfather and then when and then after hadrian's adopted son mm. died the current emperor's current adopted son died um the emperor then had this saw there was like you know elsewhere in his extended family uh, a, a son without a father a and so he, he adopted him a bo who was also a bonum ovum and he adopted him as uh, as his new heir it's a real heir pull yourself by your bootstraps kind of story. You know, all you got to oh, do is yeah. be born into royalty, yeah. have lots of money. <laughs> be, pull, uh, pull yourself up by your beautiful gilded yeah, leather yeah, yeah. bootstraps. 
<laughs> and then um and then uh, Marcus's uh uncle um Antoninus Paeus uh, was was that person that uh, that was adopted by Hadrian. And so suddenly Hadrian then died 2 years later and suddenly um he's gone from being this minor figure to suddenly being the heir to the throne uh and um and so it was quite a big jump. And then when his uncle died in 161 Marcus Aurelius then acceded to the throne alongside his adoptive brother who reigned under the name Lucius Verus. And despite having a reputation today as a thoughtful philosophical type, under his rule, the Roman Empire witnessed some of like very, very heavy military conflict. Mm. And so in the east, the Romans were fighting against the Parthians and the rebel kingdom of Armenia. And there were also major conflicts with Germanic peoples and the persecution of the Christians under the empire at the time also appears to have increased under his reign rather than decreased. Um, I mean, he was probably doing all that really philosophically. Yeah, yeah. You can thoughtfully fight the Germanic people. (laughs) Yeah, you can also just think deeply and be bad. (laughs) Uh, So there was a bit of that going on. And then there was the Antonine Plague, which broke out in about 165, which devastated the population of the Roman Empire at the time. So it was a time of general strife and difficulty, Mm. really, in some ways. There's got to be a way for you Ant, to work in the antonine plague into your into your life doctor said it's clearing up and i just need to keep applying the cream so leave me alone well this plague was one that ended up killing about 10 percent of the whole population at the time oh you're only on six or seven right yeah, barely touching yeah. the surface really. so they didn't have any cream and it was, it was probably smallpox but we're not really sure oh, what okay. it was okay. uh and his the co-emperor brother then died about this time so it's probable that he died of that plague wow. unfortunately and unlike some of his uh, predecessors and this is the, one of the only bits of the film that they got right marcus d- chose not to adopt an heir and uh, if my research in general for this podcast has taught me anything, it's that this is a huge error. Yeah. Man. Well, if my watching of Gladiator tells me anything, it is a huge error. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, as an aside, Maximus should definitely have just kowtowed to Commodus in that oh, film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's far he, too principled. He, he made so many bad choices because of his principles. He could have been like set up as general for life and yeah. having a great time. He also could have been, you know, hanging out a little more with Connie Nielsen. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so beautiful. She's great. Yeah, and in this one, so in 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 this version of the events, which is actually the, the way things actually happen in reality, mm-hmm. uh, Commodus was uh, ended up co-ruling with him before his death for about three years, and there's no real evidence for that for Commodus being anything other than just kind of like okay, uh, he wasn't okay. really a baddie in any way. I, did Maximus exist? Is this just completely fictitious? Is it anyway based in reality? I can't remember. Oh, I can't okay. remember either. I think, I think there was a Roman general called Maximus at one point, but I don't think there was any okay. particular link. But maybe we can maybe we can do some Googling at the same time. And then one of the main reasons why Marcus Aurelius is famous today is that he wrote a book called Meditations. Oh, which yes. Which was actually written whilst Marcus was on military campaigns between 170 and 180. And he wrote it in Greek as a source for his own guidance and self-improvement. And there's no obvious mark or an obvious sign that he thought of having it published yeah. in any way. I actually tried to read this when I was a teen, you know, in between bouts of writing in my journal, but yeah. I tried to read it and it is impenetrable and I got like two chapters in or something and I was like, okay. Well, it's, it's just mostly like, just a bunch of like disconnected thoughts, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's just, Oh, it's like sort of proto-James Joyce stream of consciousness. It's just like, you know, like quippy one-liners. Oh, you know? love that. <laughs> <laughs> so he, um, uh, side, side note, yes, I did please. look it up. Maximus is not real. He's a fictional character. There we are. But uh, it was based on, you know, a composite of other okay. generals. That makes sense. Yep. I still believe. 
And he had a very logical mind and his notes were representative of Stoic philosophy and spirituality, which has actually become quite popular again in the last 10, 20 years in the West. And the book is, is still revered as a, a literary monument to, the, to a government of service and duty. Hmm. And some people consider it to be one of the greatest works of philosophy anywhere. Wow. It actually didn't circulate particularly widely after his death. <laughs> um, <laughs> and copies mainly survived by reproduction in the Eastern Church. And then they were, weren't published until 1558 in Zurich by a guy called Wilhelm Zeilander. And, which is a cool name. Zeilander! <laughs> and the oldest surviving complete manuscript is in the Vatican Library and dates to the 14th century. Yes. So I'm, just, I'm just picturing Ben Stiller. <laughs> <laughs> Zylander. Just hold, like standing on a hilltop holding the meditations and, and over the meditations water is yeah. the essence of wetness yeah. it? with a Swiss accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which we can all do. Yeah. So it's not like it was immediately popular and it's basically become more popular and famous as time has gone on really. So there you have it. Did you know they're making a Gladiator 2? I did not know that. Yeah. With Paul Mescal from no uh, Normal People. Okay. And uh, what's it going to be about? Two too gladiator too furious <laughs> it's family <laughs> exactly well that's everything you'll need to know about 177 uh, nothing else exists in history yep uh, so that's it china and rome <laughs> uh and before we get to picking next week's number year uh i believe we got a correction no, email in no no we don't <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's not and there isn't one while i believe everything you've ever said is exactly accurate we had a listener disagree <sighs> will do you have that email i do so we have an email in from Alex. Hi, Alex. <laughs> and Alex has got a few points to make about the Christmas special. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turns out that you have uh, lived up to the high academic expectations of the podcast, <laughs> I'm afraid. So at two minutes, 42 seconds into your podcast, Ant tried to put squid into the taxonomic class cephalopod rather than cephalopod. It seems the only other organization on the internet that tries to wrongly class squid into the taxonomic class cephalopod produces fabric for children covered with octopus. <laughs> she then links to spoonflower.com. <laughs> she goes on. The good news is that if your random number generator ever produces any year between 1769 and 1832, Ant can learn from his mistakes by teaching the world about the eminent French naturalist and zoologist Georges Cuvier, who he was responsible for branching the animal kingdom into four initial phylums. Phylums? Phylums? Yep. Including mollusca. <laughs> Why did she mention that? Because mollusca is the phylum that contains the order cephalopod, cephalopoda. I see. And subsequently coining the term cephalopoda. Right. Might I am still like getting over the severe burns I had last time from the RNG for my <laughs> corrections to the thousand years out. I'm not... I'm not uh, every time I remember that, I I'm, laugh. I'm not, I'm not sure what other punishments is befitting, but I will undertake them. I am so sorry. Um, to my fans, uh, I apologize. To my mother... I'm sorry. I'm such a disappointment. Mm -hmm. It is cephalopod. I know this. Yeah, it's all right. It was a learning experience. Yeah, and we all found a fabric 
with octopus on it yeah. that we can buy for our children's I'm clothes. I'm not here to learn. <laughs> <laughs> if you're here to learn, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> it's also particularly offensive because according to our stats, we have at least 240 cephalopod listeners. <laughs> and true, yeah. We, quite we gained a lot after we talked about the Bulgarian lobster yeah, rebellion we a few we, weeks ago. We've offended our base. <laughs> <laughs> And you, know, you know how many legs that is? <laughs> More than all the cavalries of the world combined. That is 1,600 <laughs> legs of listeners we have offended there. Uh, to my bit tentacled brethren, uh, please forgive me. And uh, Alex, thank you so much for pointing this out. I, um, I, I want to grow as a person yeah. you know, from this. I think, I think you will. I think you will grow. And uh, to anybody else who has corrections, send them in, especially if they're about ants. Yeah, please. <laughs> we've only had a handful of corrections in so far. Well, we've means... only made a handful of mistakes. I'm sure that's <laughs> in- not true. Yeah, <laughs> including two minutes ago when I called cephalopoda an order instead of a class, which is what it is. <laughs> so pen down, Alex. We caught that one. Should we um, try and find out what year we can make more errors against? Uh, I, I think we should. <laughs> will, would you like to boot up the random number generator? Absolutely. It is moving over towards me with its land paddles, and the next year is 910 BCE. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no corrections then. No, there's no history then, right? So oh I can just make up whatever you want. God, <laughs> I never thought, I never thought we'd actually get that far. Mm, me neither. I also, I was going to say, because I think that episode will come out on Valentine's Day, I was thinking, should we try to make a love-themed podcast? No. But at this point... Love wasn't invented, then. Love wasn't invented. Love History was invented wasn't by, like, invented. Hallmark and De Beers to sell diamonds and cards. That's exactly no, right. That's... <laughs> um, as a side note, remember when we were first talking about the podcast and we were initially going to say 2500 BCE to yeah, 2000? Yeah. Which mean we... Oh, sorry. When we amended the Suggested amending the bylaws yeah, and the, that had been handed down to and us the board from generations. A, a, agreed. agreed. To this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Good. Phew. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that bylaw didn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nine ten BCE. I think we should wrap this up so we can go start researching. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.